Part of a 600-year Polish vodka-making tradition, Belvedere Vodka is all-natural and made with 100% non-GMO Polska rye and pristine water. Belvedere has championed Polska rye vodka and superior natural ingredients since its inception and continues their mission with its new Belvedere Single Estate Rye Series. These award-winning vodkas, Smogari Forest and Lake Bartenzek, are two distinct-tasting vodkas born from unique terroir and expert craftsmanship. Taste the difference and enjoy Belvedere's new single estate rye vodkas on the rocks or in a delicious cocktail today. Belvedere is a quality choice. Drinking responsibly is too. All right, welcome to this week's episode of the JJ Reddick podcast. This is my post free agency special. For the second year in a row, we are doing the post free agency special in the Hamptons. Live from the Hamptons with Tommy. <laughs> what could be better? D- what, different rental house this what time. What could be more dramatic? <laughs> yeah. You uh different rental house this time. You you blew past your train stop and thought yes. I was in Montauk, but I'm not. Yeah, you're not there yet. We don't we One don't day. go out that far east. Two more contracts and you can get up to Montauk. Um so I, I I'm no longer a Philadelphia 76er. I officially signed my contract last night. Didn't think I'd have to wait till July 15th, but with the Anthony Davis trade and them having to do some, you know, back and forth with my agent. It was like almost ready to sign last week, and then Tropical Storm Barry came through, <laughs> and apparently the general counsel of the Pelicans had to evacuate his family. Jeez. Yeah. Serious stuff. Um, hopefully everyone down in New Orleans is uh, is doing okay, and my wife and Knox and Kai and I, we're all, we're all excited to get down there at some point in the next couple months. How much do you know about New Orleans as a city? It's a great question. I feel like I know that there is a very uh, popular food culture there. Um, I believe some would say the best in the U.S. Some some say the best in the U.S. Um, and this I is the subject. This is a subject you know a lot about. Yeah, so you're going to be. Yeah, I've been meaning Google. to talk to you. Um, I want to do a spinoff podcast uh, just on food. And we'll do shortened, condensed episodes. A much, 20 more po- to 20, much more popular podcast. Twenty to thirty <laughs> minutes. Uh, we're just going to talk about food. We're just going to talk about chefs, and we're going to talk about all the the restaurants that I go to throughout the NBA season. I think this is a. What do you think, Andrew? I think this is a. It's just a spinoff. I think this is a winner. <laughs> I think. I think there's a much too. bigger audience for this than anything free agency related I or agree. basketball related I agree. or anything like People that. People want to know. When but, they're in Denver, where should they go? But eat? so you, but you've been there, obviously. Well, you probably did. You did you go there at Duke? Wait, or? wait, wait. Beyond the food thing, beyond the food thing. Yeah, I know some other things about New Orleans. Too. That is a big thing about New Orleans. Though. All right. This is a, I believe it was the birthplace of jazz, or at least maybe I've heard that. But I know there's um, obviously the jazz festival down there, uh, Mardi Gras, of course. Um, I know that they uh, love their sports teams, particularly the Saints. Yep, and we're hoping to bring some of that energy uh, to the Pelicans. I know that they've had a couple unfortunate storms come through. Obviously, Hurricane Katrina was um, 
you know, in the, in the fall of my senior year, I've talked to CP about this, you know, because that was supposed to be his rookie year, and he ended up having to go to to OKC that year um, because of Hurricane Katrina. So it's a place that you know I feel like is on the up and up. Where it's on the up and up, and there's a lot of excitement about the team. Obviously, getting Zion is huge. Um, one other thing I know about New Orleans is that there's a big entertainment industry down there shows movies etc there's a lot of things that are being filmed down there um one time i was uh leaving koshan which is a donald link restaurant with blake griffin and spencer hawes and we were walking back to our hotel and we saw a set and blake decided to walk on the set (laughs) and acted like he basically belonged there and we got right in the middle it was it was a james patterson book or show on CBS, I don't think it lasted very long. Yeah. I don't think it made it to the end of the first season, but um, that was an interesting experience. Well, so. yeah, it, New Orleans and Atlanta are the two big sort of hubs for filming now. Wilmington, too, the, North Carolina. Yeah, oh, I didn't Wilmington, yeah Wilmington's another one. of all the tax breaks yeah. and everything like that. It's a very culturally significant city. Oh, and I feel one like of you're the gonna, most. I feel like you're going to... One you're of the gonna, most. You're, this conversation in six months will be... There's going to be so many things that you learn from being down there for more than... 48 hours that you just wouldn't know just from being there on road trips. And there's also, there's a, an historical aspect to the city because of, you know, the French influence and, you know, it being sort of a, a naval hub at one point in time. Um, so there's a lot of stuff going on. I'm, I'm excited to explore and, and, and get to know the city and uh, get to know all the awesome people down there. Um, shout so out, shout out Drew Brees. To, to, to walk the sort of fans through not even your process, but like literally the process of changing teams. So yeah. you don't have to go to New Orleans to sign. You can do it no. in New York. Yeah. So this is... Because I think there's a misconception. I think some people think that like it's because certain players, there's like a big flashy news conference. And right. da, da, da. When you decide to change teams, you can just go to New York and we just explain sort of how... Yeah. So, do. well, it's funny because there's been a lot of people like even in the last two weeks who've reached out to me and been like, hey, are, are you selling your place in Brooklyn? Hey, are you already down in New Orleans? <laughs> um, no, the answer to that is no and no. So basically, we came out here as a family for the month of July to the Hamptons. And when um, you know, I, I committed to to Griff and Trajan Langdon during free agency, Griff was like, Hey, do you want to come down for a press conference? Do you want to come out to Vegas or down in New Orleans, whatever? And I said to him, like verbatim, I was like, I don't mind doing that. And I would be, if it's important to you guys, I'd be happy to come down. But my preference would be just to sort of maximize this, this family time. Like, but I did have to go. I, I took a, uh, a car to New York last week for the full day. And I had three physicals and an MRI that I had to do and that's with for all New the, Orleans. That's yeah. all with, like with, my their, physical. with their doctors. And the, with yeah, the they outsourced the doctors. That ended up being um, the ortho guy was the Nets guy. And the, and the medical doctor was... Um, the the Knicks doctor and then I um, I had to do my stress test for my heart and then get an MRI so I had to do all that stuff. Is there any element for you just as a sort of person that thinks a lot when it takes two weeks for a contract to when you when you make a commitment to a contract oh, yeah. and it takes a little bit for it actually to be signed where you're oh, yeah. you like wake up one day and you're like oh shit this doesn't no there's been like look I thought I thought for sure you know I would I would retire. In Philly, I, I thought that you know, and, and that was even a conversation that I had with Josh Harris. You know, um, sometimes the economics of things don't work out, and um, even 
prior to those conversations, like when I heard that New Orleans might be a possibility, like there was a, a genuine excitement that I had about this. This was not me just like, oh, I'm just going to go take whatever money. This was, oh, I think this is a great basketball fit. It's a team on the upswing. There's a lot of excitement around Zion and all the young guys they got in the AD trade. And, and obviously the other kids they drafted looked awesome in summer league as well. Um, so I'm excited about that. Um, and then the, the other big component of that was was Drew Holiday. And yeah. Drew and I spoke before free agency. Um, is that tampering? I don't know. Is that they don't even enforce it anymore? <laughs> Drew, and, uh, I, I think maybe we'll cut this out. Started, we'll find out from the if league. If they started office. enforcing the conversations before free agency, then everybody would. I just want to know, like, in all seriousness, like Woj tweeted out at six o'clock p.m. that I was going to New Orleans on that deal. And it's crazy. I hadn't even had, I hadn't even called New Orleans yet. So it wasn't. It was just a thing that was. It was that is crazy. Nuts. It's that crazy. is crazy. I think the. I think the. Well, uh, you know is, how do you have how do you have that sort of meeting in in, a, in less than a minute? Also, I don't know. And also, how know. do not not only you? How do you have twenty five of those happening in the first like uh, thirty crazy. seconds after six p.m. It's without crazy. there being any tampering? It's crazy. But so you are. So you had a relationship with Drew already? No, I. I you know, I, I we just chatted on the phone. Basically, I like I told him I was like, man, like you're one of my favorite players in the NBA, and I and I truly mean that. Um, he's someone that I've just respected and admired as a person and as a player for a long time. Um, so I, you know, as much as it was like the young guys and you know the opportunity, of course, to to sort of play that mentoring role and all that. Like a big part of this was like getting the opportunity to play with Drew. I think that was that was a huge piece of it. How much do you know about some of the other young guys they have? Obviously, I know I've watched Zion a ton at Duke. I've probably watched. You know, as many games as I've watched as a pro this year, I probably watched eight or ten games this year, um, all the tournament games. And I love his skill set and all that. Um, what I love the most is the kind of person he is. And and even before New Orleans had won the lottery, Coach K had called me right after we lost to Toronto. And we we were just chatting about RJ and Zion. And, and he basically said, like, Zion is, like, the best kid in the world. And so that, you know, again, that's that's exciting to to be able yeah. to, to work with someone and help someone as they sort of navigate those first few years that, you know, sort of is, is all ears and is open to things. And so, and they have Ingram. So they have a bunch of Duke guys. We're just, just a little five bit, of us. It's Duke South. It's Duke South. Which Frank is, Jackson, Jaleel, me, Brandon, Zion, and then Trajan Langdon, the GM. That's amazing. I mean, and Trajan's only been there a few months. Just yeah. imagine what's going to happen five years from now. Is it weird? We may have an all Duke team. Is it weird? Is it weird that, so you have the two years in Philly... And then now this team, you're just sort of going from team with like young phenoms to, yeah. like you're like the you're the old guy that just gets it's, it's stuck weird with the that that's kind of worked out that way. I don't think that was ever sort of a thought process for me. Like, oh, I'm just going to go take on another role that I had two years ago in Philly. No, no, I, I look at it. Look, yeah, I, I, I said this a bunch, but like you, you're factoring in all these sort of things, and like, uh, you know, the 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 pay is a huge component, um, and the basketball fit. And, and is it is is a huge component and like so for me it's like you know do i want to do i want to uproot my family um first of all that was a that was a long discussion with chelsea um even leading up to it i said look there's a chance um you know i'd heard for a long time like brooklyn had a really good chance to get those guys yeah. right and so i knew like there wasn't going to be sort of money there for brooklyn and if brooklyn got those guys and the Knicks didn't, then I didn't necessarily want to go to the Knicks. And so there's three teams where I get to live in my apartment in Brooklyn. Yeah. And I told her, I was like, you know, there's a chance it's 
you know, that's just not going to be a possibility. And so we had a long discussion over the course of a couple of weeks, uh, you know, just about this. And so that was, that was a, that was a hard thing to do, but yeah, the, the basketball fit and, 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 you know, securing the bag, man, we got to secure gotta, the bag. You got to do it. <laughs> was this the, so you taking yourself out of it for a second, the last three weeks has been just completely oh my unprecedented. Because Unreal. you taped, you taped. With I taped Zach. with Iguodala. No, you taped, I taped with, with Zach. Zach. You taped yeah. with Iguodala, which was sort of pre everything. Yeah. And then you taped with Zach, where you guys were sort of previewing everything. And I think that you both, there's both an acknowledgement that it's going to get a little weird, and we don't know where this is going to go, and everything like that. But I don't even think anybody could have anticipated. I think that I saw some stat that like six or seven of the top ten players in the league have changed teams. Or something like that. When I think you, it was like you, eleven all NBA players, yeah, have, have all and, and it's all happening every it's like every yeah. two days. There's something else, and so what? Like when you're sitting back, especially after you're already signed and you already know already you're already committed, situ- already committed, <laughs> yeah, yeah. already committed. Yeah. You know your situation. Like, what are you thinking? Watching all this? Okay, so first of all, with respect to our own team, I was hoping we would get Derek Favors. So I had gotten wind that this Jazz Bogdanovich thing was real after Mirchich, you know, I kind of decided to do something else. So I was like, oh, okay. So that means, you know, f- to clear that space, like favors could be on the market. Option, yeah. yeah. And and so I was hopeful we got him. So that was exciting. The one to me that was just, I because I went to bed uh, one night out here and then I woke up the next morning and Kawhi and Paul George were on the Clippers. Crazy. <laughs> and I was it like, was, wait, what was, just happened? It was crazy. It was the craziest one. And, and, and there was no like... That that was the one because in our league, right? I mean, it's everything leaks. Yeah. Everything leaks, and the fact that Paul George, like, who's one of the, I think one of the ten best players in the league, like Paul George got traded, like that. And those two things just happened. It, but they were able to sort of do it under the cover of darkness. I was yeah. in I was in Amsterdam when it happened, and it was it was five in the morning, and I had, stupidly have those buzzers on my phone when something. Oh yeah. And so I got it, and it wasn't. When I realized it wasn't something important, I was sort of like, I don't care that much. But I was just, in, I was stunned by the, no one had been talking about, basically all of the people in the know right. had been saying the Clippers were out and that the Clippers had no chance and that it was either he was going back to Toronto or, or he was the going to the Lakers. Yeah. And of course, no one was saying anything about Paul. And then the idea that it just, you kind of have to just give Kawhi sort of the maximum amount of credit for even being able to keep this stuff and keep everybody in the dark on everything. Like he's just sort of doing what he wants all the time. He's doing what he wants all the time, but he's he's doing that in a way that's not in your face. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, there's a difference. I think I, I talked about recently uh, giving zero fucks and like getting to that point in your life. There's a difference between like giving zero fucks where you're obnoxious to other people and giving zero fucks where like you're just not phased by anything that's hap- happening externally. Yeah, and he's just like so zen about everything, right? Yeah, just so locked in. It's, it's amazing. How do you think that that you've played in LA? How do you think that's going to shape up with those two teams? Oh man, those games are going to be amazing. I I just I love what the Clippers have done. Period. I mean, getting Beverly back, trading for Harkless, getting Jamichael Green. Um, they might get uh, Iguodala. Yeah, they might get Iguodala. Um, Defensively, they're going to just be a nightmare. They could be amazing. Yeah, they could be amazing. They could be amazing because their whole team. I mean, even last Doc did a. You talked about it in the show before, but Doc did a great job with them last year. But they were amazing defensively last year, and they didn't have even a sort of like smidgen of the talent they have now. I mean, they added two, arguably two of the top five defensive players in the league to that team. It's really interesting to me 
this whole like chemistry culture thing that is such a buzzword in the NBA right now. And at least in my experience, when you add in great players, that can sometimes create friction, right, in the locker room. Um, they just, and deservedly so, but the really, truly great players, there's something that comes with that. Yep. And, you know, Doc said to me, like, last year, he was like, yeah, we just had, like, ego-free guys. We had no divas and blah, blah, blah. And I'm not saying Kawhi or Paul George is a diva. But if there's any two guys that I think would not bring in that sort of negative element, it would be those two guys. Yeah. And that that group next year could be really special. Really special. Did you follow any of the – because you're – fortunately for you off of all of social media so you get to miss a lot of the sort of drama when it comes to this kind of thing which is a good oh, and bad this is thing. something i want to but, talk about i have something to admit i have something to admit we gotta let's get it let's get the announcement <laughs> oh i have something to admit so like on june i don't even know what day it was maybe june 28th june 29th maybe it was saturday i think it was saturday june 29th i was talking with my buddy adam glessner who who works for the spurs and we go back to my second year in the NBA when he worked for the Magic. Um, and he was like, yo, how are you going to get notifications? Like, how are you going to be up to date on free agency? So I was like, I think I should just create a burner account. <laughs> so he's back. <laughs> I used like one of my, some random Gmail account and that I don't really use that I think I used to have like a Spotify account. I can't remember why I used it. But anyways, used a Gmail account and um set up a, just like an egg and i followed five people i think it was like Ooh, i think it's gonna be interesting to see if somebody can figure out i think burner. i deactivated the account is it gone yeah i the name they gave me they like <laughs> it was like samuel johnson but with an e for johnson i can't remember <laughs> i can't remember uh, what, yeah, I want, I, I want people, I want like, it was like to Woj, Chris Haynes. Uh, I'm trying to think. Well, Ramona. Um, there's a so were you following? Were you following Shams? You know the, the news break. Were you following the stuff with the the Kawhi thing in particular was both incredibly entertaining and incredibly egregious in terms of the sort of people coming out of the woodwork claiming to have inside information who ultimately turned out had zero inside information, but was getting everybody into a frenzy about... Here's the, here's the thing. So I don't know how new this feature is because, again, I was not on Twitter for a year, but I noticed... So I'm following five people, but I'm seeing more tweets on my feed because like, if Ramona had liked a tweet from someone else, it showed up on my feed. I is think, that a feature you can I turn off? I think that's a... Yes, I not think, that I no. I think focus. that they. I think that's a if you if your engagement is low, oh, they try to get you to follow more people. I got you. Like I, I follow whatever five hundred people, so they don't do that to me as much because I'm already you. in it. That makes sense. But if you're they, they look at you as like a new user, and so they got to give you all these things that they think you would want to follow. So you I got you. Build spend more time sense. on the on the that app. Makes sense. I mean, this was sort of a. This was sort of an example of the the people, the Woges, the Shams of the world who really know their shit. We're not we're we're being very sort of crystal, like explicitly clear, saying like he has not made up his mind. Honestly, like we don't know. Like we're sort of in the dark as much as you. Like we've heard these things, we're reporting things, but we're not trying to say something either way. And then there were other people. There was these. I mean, some of them were like 18-year-old kids in LA who were saying like, the Clippers are out and like, it's done deal to the Lakers. They're signing the deal. And what was happening was like, everybody was getting into a frenzy. 
And it was becoming a thing where where it wasn't just like Reddit, Lakers Reddit believing it, but it were other reporters were retweeting it and everything like that. And it just seems like the cat is sort of out of the bag now with this kind of thing. And like this is now the way that all this stuff is going to be reported is it's like any of us, like we could just put whatever we want out there with no knowledge. And if the right person retweets it, then all of a sudden you're an insider and that's it. Hence one of the reasons I'm not on Twitter. Yes. Or at least except for those what about six the, days. I think I missed all the Kawhi thing. I think I had deactivated the account the, by then. At that point. Yeah. What about the uh, Chris Russell trade? What do you think? Oh, so once they traded Paul George, like you got to figure they're going to trade Russ. Um, I was kind of surprised it happened so quickly um, and have not spoken to CP since the trade, but um, I think there's an assumption that he's trying to Go maybe get else. to Miami or something. Yeah. yeah. Do you think so. that that pairing will work? James and... Oh, James and Russ. James and Russ. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I mean, I think it'll work in terms of like basketball. I mean, it's two MVPs. It's like <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's there's. It goes back to when it, even when James and you know Chris first teamed up, it was like D'Antoni and I talked to D'Antoni you know that summer because I was thinking about going to Houston, but he was just like, yeah, they're great players, they're smart guys, and they're competitive, and we'll figure it out. And they don't get. I don't think they. I mean, they they don't get enough credit. Like. Who doesn't? If Chris Paul doesn't injure his hamstring. Oh, they're going they to probably the, they win, win the NBA finals. championship. Yeah, you know. And then this year, like, I I thought they had him on the ropes. I thought they had him on the ropes. So they're probably, you know, in the Western Conference, that did one team that put up the the biggest challenge to the Warriors. Yeah, we we've, we've talked about it on this show before, but it's really that injury is such a devastating what if because that was a healthy Warriors team and they were just beating them. They were just beating them. They were just like, they were kind of beating the brakes off of them. They were doing everything that like they had built the team to do. And then it's just, these injuries are just cruel luck. Like it just happened. Like that happened this year with the Warriors. Yeah. It's crazy. We're going to get to these questions in a second. Is there anything that happened uh, in terms of player movement or anything like that that like really stunned you? I mean, the Clippers thing was the biggest one for sure. Um, And I think I had heard... (laughs) I had heard for weeks that like Rubio to Pacers was done, right? Yeah. And and then all of a sudden, like within five minutes, like it's he's signing for a huge deal in Phoenix. Yeah. Uh, so that was surprising. Um, I want to actually bring this up because like I don't is there is there a solution or is is there even a way to enforce this tampering, this sort of moratorium, and or I guess the moratorium more is July one, but you know this this sort of build up to free agency because I think the way things are happening, they happen so fast. Like it used to be, I remember when I was a kid and like you used to watch like when Tracy McGrady was, was a free agent and I would watch sports center at night and they'd be like, Tracy McGrady's doing his tour in Chicago and he's at Wrigley field. And then yeah. Tracy's down in Orlando. Well, LeBron, and, then- and LeBron did that. I mean, sort of most famously the year of the decision, but every city he went to, it was a big, yeah, ordeal when he would pop. And Kawhi, Kawhi was the one guy this year that took his time. Yeah, it just seems like based on the tweet times of some of these that these things are getting done. They're maybe like getting April. done, well, not yeah. in April necessarily, but earlier. April, May, yeah. Well, do you think that that's a like? Is that a problem that needs to be fixed? I think to not have those any sort of discussions until literally June thirtieth. I'm not saying. T- team player but like certainly like team agent you know there's got to be middlemen like i i just logically i think it makes sense because 
there's so much writing both for the player and their career and for the team and sort of the organization to to get the right mix of guys. You know, for me, it's like I, I think there's the draft lottery. Yep. That gives some clarity. And then the results of the conference finals and finals gives clarity because everybody's a copycat in this league. And they're like, oh, this team won. How do we do this? Or we lost this way. And then this team advanced. How do we you know, replicate that? And then, of course, the draft, because there's always usually a trade or two around the draft. And then yep. there's like that sort of seven to 10 days leading into free agency where that's when I think things are really happening. At least it just appears that way. I'm not, I, I don't know anything. Well, this is something that, 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 Bill has talked about a lot, and I think that a lot of sort of people around the league have talked about a lot, especially over the last like month and a half. What do you think about this? Because it's becoming a thing more than ever, just the the player empowerment thing, where it's like every year, especially with sort of the 10 to 15 star players in the league, it's sort of like I'm always looking out for the next option. So if if this is not a team that I think can like win a championship right now, then I'm going to go team up with somebody that I think can win it. Is this a is this overall net positive or negative, or are you sort of like ambivalent? Well, first of all, they shortened our contracts, and they wanted to shorten our contracts, and I think this is a result of that. This is a result of uh, the N- NBA's own popularity and the rings culture and the sports talk radio and the ESPN first take all those shows that are driving this this is this is 24/7 nearly 365 like this is this until like the schedule comes out in August is like the dead period right yeah. i mean this is the dead period summer league's you know finishing up and all that so you know i think that the culture and the microscope that's on the league now i think the star players feel that and there's, I think, an added pressure to win. But there's also, like, I think, uh, come to, you know, a realization that they do ultimately have, like, the best players ultimately have the most juice. And, and, and they take advantage of that, and they should. Do you, because you've played in big markets and small markets, do you worry that it's going to be a thing moving forward where if even if a small market team drafts a superstar that it's just like a it's just like a counting clock till they yeah i mean the the thing that's going to be interesting to see is what happens with Giannis, right um and i believe after next year he'll be eligible he's, the, he's to in that sign. 2021 yeah but he could sign his supermax yeah, i think after next year. next year yeah, yeah next summer um so that'll be an interesting thing to see happen um i don't buy the big market small market thing because like if you're not a well-run place and you have a bad reputation and you're in a big market, like as we've seen, I think with a couple different teams, there are a few examples. There are a few. No, there's a couple different yeah, teams a few right now. recently yeah. that have you know that were guys guys didn't want to go there. Now I I don't think that's the case right now. I think you know specifically with the Knicks, like I think Scott and Steve are are great at what they do and I think they're doing it the right way. But in the last like ten years, like. I, you know, a lot of guys didn't necessarily want to sign there. Um, yeah. That's real. Um, so, you know, I think people want to go. I, again, I, what I was saying was like, if money's the same, like you want to win and you want to enjoy going to work every day. So you want to be a part of a great organization. Of course, guys want to like, would rather live like in Miami or LA. Like that's, uh, who wouldn't? You yeah. Know? Who wouldn't? Yeah. So it's all just sort of like a juggling factor of a yeah. bunch of different things. Hang tight. We're going to hear from our sponsor. 
With two-thirds of guys experiencing noticeable hair loss by age 35, most guys assume losing their hair is inevitable as they age. Some don't care, some shave their head, and some embrace hats. But what they don't know is that there are FDA-approved medications designed to stop hair loss and even regrow hair. That's why we're excited to partner with our sponsor, Roman. Roman makes it easy to get safe, FDA-approved hair loss treatment, all from your phone or computer. And when you go to GetRoman.com slash Reddick, your online visit is free. Consult with a U.S. licensed physician through their secure online platform. No awkward conversations with receptionists or reading bad magazines in the waiting rooms. Once your doctor ensures that treatment will be safe and effective for you, Roman's dedicated pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping in discreet packaging. If you're noticing unwanted hair loss, starting treatment early is key and Roman can help. And today, Roman is giving the JJ Reddick podcast listeners a free online visit at GetRoman.com slash Reddick. That's GetRoman.com slash Reddick for a free visit to get started. Go to GetRoman.com slash Reddick. And now back to the mailback episode with Tommy. We got a bunch of these questions from different people writing in. I hope uh, they're real people this time. They're all, Not every single person is real. Max, the eight-year-old in Brooklyn. <laughs> Chris. Uh, just so everyone's clear, the last time we did this, Tommy got multiple questions from, from my wife. From family members. <laughs> from family members. Listen, this is what like, when oh, you tell, if you tell Chelsea that you're doing a mailbag, this is what's going to happen. There's no way around it. That's why you have to sneak these things. Chris uh, Huffins writes, this is an interesting question. We were talking a little about this earlier. What are the differences in David Griffin and Trajan Langdon's roles and how they recruited you? And then with, with Trajan and then also Elton and Philly becoming GMs of successful NBA teams, is that something you've thought about down the road? Yeah, so Tra- Trajan and I, I mean, I've known Trajan for, geez, um, 17 years now. You know, I remember Trajan when I was like a freshman or sophomore at Duke. He was still an active player. He came back one summer during uh, during one of our summer camps and pulled me into coach k's office and we chatted for about three hours just about life and how to better commit myself to to being essentially what i've become and, and becoming a pro um so he's been a friend for a long time um so you know like my my in those sort of dealings with new orleans it's it's been mostly mostly trajan and then my agent and griff have have kind of gone back and forth you know when discussing the contract and working out the logistics of everything do you think that now that you've done this with a, a bunch of different teams, like how much of your previous relationship do you think sort of played into your comfort level with them as an organization versus just like the overall fit? I think, yeah, I mean, because tr- again, Trajan is someone that I've known a long time and, you know, I would see him courtside and to chat with him when yeah. he was in Brooklyn. I mean, you know, yeah. it's it's someone that I've had a friendship with and I've stayed in contact with, you know, a ton over the last, last 15 plus years um so there's a comfort level there for sure and i also you know just griff has such a good reputation i I remember speaking with jared dudley um geez man this was six years ago you know when we were teammates with the clippers and he was raving about griff and even uh three weeks ago or i guess a month ago now in in like mid-june jared and i chatted about free agency and he uh you know out of the blue was just talking about griffin and the pelicans and and all the savvy stuff he's doing there so i felt comfortable you know moving forward um again you want to go to a, a great organization um yeah. and and those guys seem to be turning things around uh jesse hartman writes in what new orleans restaurants and foods are you most excited about 
Um, I maybe have mentioned this on the podcast before, but the wood-fired grilled oysters with the chili butter sauce at Koshan are to die for. Koshan is a, is next level. <laughs> yeah, and I, that to me, and like the butcher shop next, or you know the the butcher shop and and, um, and sandwich place Koshan next door is is incredible. I, there's a lot of places in New Orleans that I haven't really tried. Yeah, that are like sort of the institutional places. Have you done the beignets? At Cafe Du Monde? Yeah. yeah, I've done those many times. Um, so there, the, like, there's a lot, I think, that I'm excited about. And also, like, when you're a visiting player and you're in town for a day, like, you're, you're on a road trip, you generally, you're not doing a ton of exploring. Yeah. And so there's, you know, some of the neighborhoods, the Garden District and, and, uh, and Uptown and all that stuff that I haven't really spent any time in. I'm, I'm excited to, to explore. Uh, did you like the beignets at Dumont? Well, now that I'm a Pelicans player, yeah. I think I have to say that the I like the most dangerous thing about the beignets for me is they're they're 24. It's a 24 seven place, I think. Yeah. Or if it's not 24 seven, it's open super late, yeah. and so it is. It's really like the you have to have a lot of discipline if it's see four thirty in the morning and you walk by there to not just pop in and. I've never been drinking at four thirty in the morning. <laughs> but not, you would but, not know what it's like to be hungry. I, past, so I don't know. I don't. Eleven p.m. No, nope, I'm on a strict schedule with my eating. I don't eat past eight p.m. Yep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I would say in the in the in the weird sort of event that I was ever um, had an appetite while I was inebriated. I would not, I, my my initial thing would not, not to be get something yet. sweet. I just like I want savory. All right. I don't know. Um, I can't believe we've never asked this question before from Jackson Frank. Is a hot dog a sandwich? <laughs> Speaking of food. By definition, yes, it has to be. It's a piece of meat in between a piece so of bread. So this is like a huge, huge debate. Wait, is a taco a sandwich? I would say no. Really? Yeah, a taco Well, a then a hot dog is a taco. Hot dog is a taco? I don't think I've ever <laughs> even heard that before. <laughs> I, would, I would make the argument they're just separate things that have similar qualities to them. But it is, I wouldn't consider a hot dog a sandwich, or a, definitely not a taco a sandwich. A taco is a separate. I think piece there should be like like a, a sort of a a different category, or like a like a like a overarching category that says like all these things are one of these. You yeah, know what I mean, like a flow chart. Like like our humans are. We're, I think we're mammals. <laughs> so there's mammals, and then there's all the different types of mammals because the the tacos, hot dogs, sandwiches. Um, I mean, are, like there are some open face sandwiches. Yes, there's tortas. Yeah, you know? there's all sorts of things. This might be a good book. For By you. the way, shout out to Estia's Little Kitchen in Sag Harbor, the greatest huevos rancheros ever. Have Estia's. you have you eaten at Estia's? Been. No. Okay, might go there after this. They're closed on Tuesdays, but oh, great. <laughs> um, I like this question, Jai Ferguson. JJ, you get to play on any team in the history of the NBA for a year. What team and why? I would probably I would probably pick the '96 Bulls. I'd probably pick the. You had a lot of open Bulls. shots on that team. You'd- yeah, I mean the game was different then. You know, I think you, you I would do a lot less moving. I would just kind of stand around and wait for Jordan to get double teamed and then yeah. shoot. It doesn't really work like that anymore. Um, but also, just like I think to see Jordan in his prime. To like to be his teammate in his prime, be pretty, be it'd be pretty cool. neat. Yeah, yeah. Pretty just neat. as a competitor, you just yeah, yeah, see yeah. him. Yeah. Um, from Jake Gordon, uh, what do you think about uh, the Philly team now uh, with this, with their sort of with their new additions and everything like that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's. Uh, I think they're going to be big. I think they're going to be really big. You know, I like 
I like how they've they've built the team. There's a lot of depth, I think. There's a lot of different ways they'll be able to play. Um, you know, the fact that, you know, how I, the Sergi from analytics is the, is the guy that sort of figures out the, the minutes for everyone and staggers the lineups, and then he gives them to a coach, and, and then the coach kind of does the substitutions. They're going to figure super, out a way to get basically yeah. Al being the backup five. Yeah. And the fact that you can go from Joel to Al – where I think Al is probably better at five anyways. Yeah. I mean, that's that's tough. To get 48 minutes of those two guys at the five is is tough. It's tough. And then... And and I love Josh Richardson. I think he's great. And then I Tobias is... I mean, I actually was at... I went to our friend Sean's restaurant, Lilia, last night. And yeah. Tobias was there. Tobias is like legit six foot... 10, six foot 11. Oh, yeah. He's just like a big no, guy. No, that team is huge, They're man. Huge. That's the huge. And, and I think getting like Mike a... and, and James back is great. Those guys were so good. Um, and the you know, East, I think, I think the East you, is kind of open. You, I think they'll miss, they'll miss Jimmy. I mean, you know, Jimmy, especially down the stretch of games, he won us a lot of games. Um, I don't miss you. I'm not even well, saying I, that. Like that will be a, I think they, I think they all would say that. That's a, yeah. you hit a lot of big shots for them, but it's a, it's a, it's an interesting, uh, sort of strategy that they've put themselves in because I don't there isn't really a team that's as big as <laughs> they are. It's kind of like yeah. the monsters. Yeah. But the you know, it's because to you know the Toronto was big. Yeah. You know, Toronto obviously beat us and Toronto was big, you know, if you take away Lowry or whatever. Um Van Fleet didn't play a ton in our series. I know he played a ton in the in the finals. Um, you know, I think you you sort of look at who you have to beat, and then Kawhi ends up leaving, and Danny Green's and ends up leaving. So it's, it's yeah. just interesting. But I think, I think them and you know Milwaukee are you know the favorites in the East for sure. And then if you kind of factor in like, all right, is Brooklyn getting KD back at any point in time? It, what is what is Vic like when when he gets back to Indiana? I'm probably forgetting a team or two. Uh, yeah. But you know, there's there's still a lot Boston of good teams. Feels like they always have a yeah. Boston have, will they be they right have there. A chance to yeah. Be sort of competitive. Yeah. Uh, we talked about this a little earlier, but from Adam Johnson, uh, when you go to like a young team like the Pelicans, what are your sort of expectations in terms of how much you have to sort of shoulder like a mentoring role? Yeah, it's a good question. And I, you know, I kind of went through it two years ago um, with Philly. And like my, my whole thing is um, if you walk into a locker room that you've never been in before and immediately just start talking and acting like you're the expert on everything, um, that generally rubs people yeah, the wrong way. It doesn't work. I've yeah. had some teammates that have done that. <laughs> um, so that's just not my strategy at all. I think, you know, I, I, I like to sort of get to know guys individually and, and sort of the mentoring part to me is, is gotta be personal. It's gotta be more of a one-on-one -on -one relationship. And then the other component of that is, is, you know, how you work yourself and how you take care of yourself and people see that, you know, you, guys are smart they see who's in the gym who's not in the gym who leaves right after practice who gets to practice 10 minutes early or who gets to practice two hours early yeah who's in the treatment room every day who cold tubs after every practice like you by a month into the season you you see all that stuff and um that to me is as much mentoring as anything Just else leading by example yeah. rather than trying to be the vocal yeah. yeah and then you know as you go on throughout the season you get opportunities to share past experiences um, you know, in a locker room, and and that can be helpful as well. This is a great question, Jacob W. If you were planning a bank heist, mm. what three former slash current teammates would join your crew? A bank heist? Yeah, this is I, this is. I love that question. Wow. Um, Stephen Jackson, for sure. <laughs> for what reason? 
We have a reason for everything. We, we need some muscle. Yeah. <laughs> Steven Jackson will provide some muscle. Chris Paul, no doubt. Um, we, we, need, we need the mastermind for the heist. And uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's good with strategy. So I think, I think he'd be great for that. And then um, this is going to be a weird one, but you know, we're going to need some, some weaponry. And so um, I saw, um, you know, Mar- Martian Gortat had um, <laughs> had a lot of weapons, and he's got a great getaway car. He always has a fast car. He so. also looks the part. <laughs> yeah, I think. I feel like he's robbed. I think that sort of crew will be. I think that'll be. That feels like a this successful feels like, bank, this feels bank like heist. <laughs> the only problem is I'm worried though. Steven- Wait, this was what was the question we got last year? It was like, who would you want on a desert island with you? Yeah. Okay. This is this is that's a harder question in a way. This is just like. Like Chris yeah. seems like an obvious one because he's going to help <clears throat> yeah. you actually crack the safe. Yeah, and you need the two guys who are going to help you fight your way out. Yeah, I would just be worried that Jackson and Gortat would kill each other before you even <laughs> get into the. <laughs> I think they'd actually get along before you even get into the bank. <laughs> Jacob Martin, this is sort of a specific question, but I kind of like it. Do you think that setting effective screens is the most underrated skill in the modern NBA? Ye- no, it's not the most but it is an important thing the thing with screening as much as it is like trying to make contact it's having the right angle so like if you want the guy to chase like you have to have the right angle if teams start going under on a ball screen um or shooting the gap on catch and shoot stuff like you've got to adjust your angle and i think honestly like the best screeners to me is always have always been like really selfless guys but also really intelligent guys and yeah and screening is as much a read as it is for the screener as it is for the guy coming off the screen deandre jordan by the way is the best screen setter i've ever played with best best you think he's the best in the league right now i'm just saying for me personally i don't know the best in the league but yeah yeah matt b writes interested in this as well with all the with all the moving parts uh is it is it a does it feel like more of a challenge for you going to the western conference with how sort of loaded it's become. Mm, interesting. I have in the last couple of weeks, as all these changes changes have happened, I have started to to think about that <clears throat> that playoff run that I'm on. Yep. You know, um, I think we have a great chance to make the playoffs. By the way, are there other players in the league who have that the same streak? I think I have the longest active streak. Like Tony Parker's was longer than mine. Yeah, but he's but he's not playing retired. anymore. Yeah. Um, and he didn't make the playoffs last year, so I'm um, trying to think like maybe Aldridge. Like there's, there's no, I think. Well, I think because they didn't make the playoffs in like 2013, I think. Yeah, Portland. I th- it was Kyle Korver's up there. I want to say LeBron was up there. I think Harden is up there too because he's probably made it. Yeah, he's probably made it every year. Um, yeah, I, but I, I think I think it was like 13, 12, 11, and then a couple guys at nine. Yeah. They posted the graphic in the playoffs last year. So. It is it. The conference is, but the conference is deep, good. man. And yeah. there's a lot of teams that I think um, will not just improve, like on paper, but I think there's teams that like will pr- improve internally. Like even Dallas, like yeah, you know, Carlisle's. I think one of the top coaches in the game. You have to assume Luca's going to get even better. Getting Porzingis back. You know, they rounded out the roster a little bit in free agency. They have a lot yeah. of shooting. Minnesota's tough. Like, there's no real, there are no real teams. Yeah, there Sacramento. Sort of, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so, a lot of good I mean, teams. I guess OKC. I guess the team, the only teams that you consider probably not much of a threat are the ones who are actively trying to rebuild. Yeah. But there's not, there are not these teams that are sort of like in the middle. It's kind of like you got a bunch of contenders and then a 
No, you could make the argument like you're looking at like like a five or six team race for the last two spots. Yeah. And that's probably legit. Utah made some good moves. I mean, yeah, they're like gonna be super tough. <laughs> you could, they were Utah good last year. The I mean, yeah. And Conley. I think like, I, I think, uh, I think Golden State will make the playoffs. Like yeah. who, somebody said we say the other day that they weren't going to make the playoffs. So that Golden State wasn't going to. Yeah. Did somebody say that the I'm other sure day? I'm sure someone. I mean, people, this is what you're talking about. I feel like I turned on the TV for By the way, like I think seconds. your I think your point about blaming the media, not you weren't like specifically blaming the media, but yeah. but saying the media is a reason for this player empowerment thing. I'm sure it's been made before, but I haven't heard it sort of recently. And I think it's totally true in that like it's completely unavoidable for all of these guys to to if they go two years without being either in the conference finals or the finals, like you're a loser. You know, and you're in this spot where you're you're you can't just sort of like show up and play anymore. I think here's what I think. I think there's guys that by nature want to be people pleasers or they want to do the right thing on other people's on other people, I should say, by other people. And what they inevitably realize is you can't win. Like yeah. you're, you, it's impossible. You're not going to please everybody. And so they get to a point where they're like, fuck it. I'm going to do what makes me happy. Yeah. I think that's like, that's KD. Like, yeah. He's like, fuck it. I'm going to do it. Like, I want to play it? with my friend. I want to yeah, play yeah. in the city I want to play in. Yeah. I don't care about what. Yeah. But to your point, what you've the done, optics matter less. What you've done, which is, which is the, the best way to feel this way is to unplug from these places that are, if you sit online yeah. all day, you're only getting negative. Reinforcement. Right. If you're one of the top five players in the NBA, you don't need somebody on Twitter to tell you how good you are. You already know how good you are. What you're going to get are going to be people who are, whether or not they're like actively trolling you, even if they're like picking at you, if you read it, it's impossible to be with any of us. It's like we, yeah. like we're not in, I'm not in a situation where people are coming at me all the time. But if I was, I can't say I would handle it any better than a star player who gets it constantly. It just is a Yeah, and I, I, again, I, I think I talked about this with Zach and maybe a little bit with Andre as well, but I'm not, bl- like the blame is not like the media per se. Like it's not like such and such writer, or even some of the talking heads on Fox or ESPN. Like to me, it's like just the culture of what the media is and how they have to make money now. And it really is about, you know, for anybody writing articles about Getting clicks. Filling content. Yeah, and yeah. filling content. And so there's more content. And to stand out in that content, you sometimes have to say things that are, you know, they're hot takes. And, you know, it eventually gets back to the player. And all of a sudden, the player's like, fuck this guy. And then it becomes yeah. a year-long, you know, battle with such and such reporter. <laughs> uh, John writes, what's the most difficult part for you for moving to a different city, just overall? Um, I think the most difficult part were, would, would is going to be just, you know, navigating with my family, sort of all the changes and my kids are young enough and they'll adapt and all that. But like we, we, we didn't expect this to happen, but we ended up feeling really settled in Brooklyn and, and found a great community there. And Chelsea has a great group of friends and a great support system and her sister's there and uh you know and and their sister's husband my brother-in-law who's become my best friend so there's there's all these sort of things that i think are are great about living where we live now and you know although it's temporary like you know it, it can it's hard especially during the season because you know i, I am sort of busy and yeah. so it's it's sort of and you're you're mobile so it's yeah. not just you're busy but you're in different places yeah so exactly you know I'm, I'm traveling and whatnot so i think that that'll be the hardest thing and that was i think the hardest part of making the decision to to go to new orleans because all the other stuff 
I think when I looked at it, it was like, oh, this is great. This is great. This is great. This is where the challenge lies. Yep. David writes, I don't know whether we've talked about this before. What are your fo- top five uh, culinary destination country-wise that you want to visit mm. that you have not? That I have not. Yes. Um, Portugal, Denmark. I was just in, I was just in Copenhagen. Did you go to Noma 2.0? No. Okay. Couldn't get in. Peru? Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. Thailand. And I I'm gonna say Spain just because I've been to Spain, but I haven't done the food thing. Like I haven't been to uh, San Sebastian. Yeah. And um, you know, there's some restaurants in in the Costa Brava north of Barcelona that are amazing. So I think those would those would be my five. Those would be my five. We were supposed to go to Portugal at the end of the summer, my wife and I. Um, but because of the moving parts, the moving parts, yeah. just it's we we just didn't want to feel stressed on the trip, so we canceled the trip. It's tough. Those are, that's it. That's basically it. Some good questions. Great questions. What else? What else is? Um, are just gonna see, are you going to see Lion King? Just trying to navigate life right now, man. <laughs> no, I I'm probably not going to see Lion King. I don't even know that there's a, a functional movie theater within 30 no, minutes I of me right what, now. I think what people they don't understand about what it's like for you out here is just it is completely like zen. You unplug. It's you're unplugged. It's not like it's super fancy or anything like that. It just is. No, it's just you're just. I'm you, literally riding my. So I work out in the mornings at one of the gyms here. And then my trainer has been coming out during the week to um, to do the body training. So I shoot basketball, then I do the body training. And then I basically either sit in the backyard or I get on my bike and ride through like open farm fields down to the beach. <laughs> like there's just, there's, there's not nothing. actually not a lot here. There's not a lot. There's, there's, like, there's not even. But then really, there's like these little small little hamlets really phone and towns. And, it's and, really yeah. like a, you're really sort of a, away from everything, which is. It's really great. Yeah, yeah I think I, we, I probably mentioned this last year when we did the, the post-free agency mailbag, but like in, in general, I think, think people have like this, uh, this notion or this, this idea of what the Hamptons is. They and think it is the opposite. Well, they think the Hamptons is like Wolf of Wall Street. They think it's like a <laughs> yeah. every single every single day is like some crazy yeah. party with like- Can I tell you the craziest and, party I've been to since I've been out here? Yes. It was July 4th, okay? Of this year. Of this year. It was in my backyard. Uh, we had 40 people and 22 of them were kids <laughs> under the age of six. <laughs> that was the wildest, the wildest party, party I've you been could possibly to. Get. Like, it, it doesn't is, get any crazier. It's family time, man. It's yeah. just unplugging in family time. It's been, it's been awesome. Yeah. So All right. Well, I'm moving I, the show to New Orleans. We are moving the show to New Orleans. Um, I will be back in New York, in Brooklyn, uh, in in early August, and uh, we'll get some guests going. Probably pump out a few episodes before I head down to New Orleans, whenever that is. And uh, and honestly, the lineup for potential guests on the Pelicans is fantastic. Oh, there's there's, there's uh, Zion, there's Lonzo, Lonzo, Drew, Ingram, Ingram. There's a there's a jaw would be a good one too. Jaw, I think the I think the Zion episode might uh yeah might might break some records because yeah, he ex- has not done anything like this. Yeah, I'm and excited, there's man. To, there's a lot. I'm to excited. Talk about. I think that that's a. I mean, we haven't we didn't actually talk about it that much on this episode, but it's going to be interesting probably for you and that that's going to be like a traveling road show with him. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know that you've necessarily been around a young player that's been as much of a no. draw as he's probably no. going to be. No, I mean. Ben and 
Joe my first year, and even this year, of course, they they both got better. But that was interesting. Um, you know, that was even more because of just the culture that we live in. That was more intense than you know being around Dwight early in his career. But this is going to be different, man. Yeah. Tom Haberstrow from, I think he's working for NBC Sports now, but he and I are, are friends and uh, he sent me a text the other day. So I've played with Dwight Howard, number one pick, Blake Griffin, number one pick, Ben Simmons, number one pick, Markel Fultz, number one pick, and now Zion Williams, number one pick. It's pretty amazing. You're the, you're the number one pick whisperer. <laughs> I, I, I didn't when even know that. The that's that's, that's kind of crazy, though. That is crazy. That is crazy. And, 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 and you know, they've, they're all sort of different types of players. Like, they're not all... But no, I don't think anyone has had the amount of hype. Like, of yeah. those, even of those guys, and those are all number one picks of that, that, that Zion And part of had. it's because the way he plays is so unique. I mean, I guess it's similar to Blake in a way of all the guys that you mentioned, but he's... It's just a linebacker that's the most athletic person yeah. in the gym, and that doesn't. Do you know, like in like when you watch a soccer game, and you're basically on the edge of your seat, waiting for magic to happen, right? You're yeah. waiting for Messi to do some incredible move and score. You're waiting for a cross and and then a header. You know, you're waiting for just this one like magical moment, and in a way that's like a less intense version of watching Zion play basketball where you're just on the edge of your seat waiting for these sort of like knowing it's going to happen knowing it's going to happen yeah. and knowing it's going to happen multiple times yeah. throughout a game That's you're waiting like for these him. like five or six moments where you're like holy crap that just happened That's what it was like with the Duke games last year I mean yeah. I think I think one of the prime examples of it I forget who they were playing it was in the middle of the season was when he blocked that shot in the corner yeah. where the guy was shooting a corner three and he somehow got over there and you're just like that. You never will see that. That play just doesn't get made. So it wasn't even like it was like, oh my God, that was a crazy crossover. That was a crazy dunk or something. It was like, that was a play that I've never seen anybody else make. Mm -hmm. And he does something like that every couple games. Yeah. And the one game in Summer League when he like took the, took ball, the ball from Kevin from Knox <laughs> and then just cocked it back for a tomahawk dunk. I mean, it's, yeah. Those are those moments that, you know, hopefully we have a lot of those next year. So it's yeah. going to be great, man. I'm excited. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Um, thank you for listening to this episode of the JJ Reddick podcast. I'll be back in a couple of weeks uh, with a more famous guest than Tommy. <laughs> although by now, your fame is rising. My fame is rising. I was getting stopped in the Hamptons. I'm <laughs> wondering whether <laughs> your Q rating has got to be in the 30s by now. <laughs> Q rating is just skyrocketing because of these Hamptons podcasts. All right, thank All right. you.